Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Clearly didn't pay the extra for the Twix and the Snickers bars. No, I didn't buy them. I, I got a Your mother in. bought them. Whoppers are so great. I, th- I like, like Whoppers. Individually, but, but not in a There's in only a three. Bag. They only come three. It, the, the portion is so incredibly small. The candy companies, I'm not saying they're trying to cheat you, but they're trying to get you off candy. Because there's just nothing, there's really nothing. And I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. With that ESPN contract, you can go get full-size candy bars. <laughs> no, I know. Let's be real. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All righty. Uh, this is a uh, sports and entertainment show. Um, do we talk about politics here and there? We used to talk about it a lot more. We will certainly talk about it a little bit today. Not right at the start of this. I will introduce Michael Kornheiser, who is six feet, one inches away, one inch away, properly I distanced. I into the Whoppers last night. Yeah. Did you, have you changed your mind on Whoppers? Mm-hmm. So they taste like an, they taste like a chocolate milkshake, right. but in, the, in that form, one out of every three is almost inedible. Too hard? Yeah. Yeah, okay, because they've been, these are the reject the Whoppers. These are the reject <laughs> Whoppers that they've taken out of the boxes and put in these small little Quality tubes. control issue. But if you buy a box of Whoppers, they're great. A big box of Whoppers, they're great. Let me, let me do that. a couple of things. Let me do a couple of emails first. I will talk about the election. Um, at the moment, when I'm recording this, it is 7.41 on Friday morning, and nobody knows who won exactly. Nobody knows exactly who won. So this is when we're recording this. Whenever you listen to it, that may have changed. But I'm going under the presumption that nobody knows at the moment. Anyway, Claire Natola sent this in, um, said that the Littles community lost a dear friend with the passing of Bill Griffiths of Adelphi, Maryland. That was last week. Uh, Suzanne, the woman... Uh, to whom Bill was related by marriage, was going to attend uh, Jingle Fest this year for the first time, but of course that was canceled. So we want to pass along condolences to Suzanne, Amy, and all of Bill's friends and family. We certainly want to do that. This is something from Mike Roseberry in State College, Pennsylvania. I was born, raised, and now dwell in State College, Pennsylvania, home of dear old UPS, University (laughs) of Penn State. I was driving home last week when I more or less started tailgating a Subaru, They were driving the speed limit on a rural road, so I felt completely justified. Anyway, they had a personal license plate, P.S. P. Subaru, Penn State University Subaru. We deserve to lose to Ohio State for that alone. (laughs) I also want to thank you for the image in my head of workmen toiling down in the caramel mines to procure the sweet substance for payday bars. I, for one, was unaware that caramel came from the dirt. Curse that state school education. Yes, Caramel exists naturally. Yes, it is mine. I'm, Much I, like steel in Sweden. I yes, guarantee yes. that Subaru is 20 years old in a dark hunter green. And, and maybe, but Ski it's an racks. outback, isn't it? And one more from Peter Cowder. Recently, you mentioned my friend Calvin Murphy. In 1963, a basketball teammate and I were lumbering our way through a cross-country meet at Norwalk High School. The race ended on a track which surrounded the football field where the marching band and a baton twirler were rehearsing. We were lounging against a fence, doing our best to act cool, when the baton twirler ran up to us. I know who you guys are. You're pretty good ball players, he said. But you haven't seen basketball played. And at this point, he threw the baton high in the air, caught it behind his back without even looking, and then said, until you've seen Calvin Murphy play it. He then turned and jogged away. A couple of months later, he made good on his boast. You also mentioned Joe Mullaney, 
on PTI last week. Yes, he was the coach at Providence and the Lakers at one point. After losing twice to Calvin in high school, I went off to play for Coach Mullaney at Providence on the team with Jimmy Walker and Long Island's own Mike Reardon. You've been kind enough to play music from my son Ryan's band, The Silent Critics, on the podcast. And lastly, I worked with Eric Rideholm when he was with The Motley Fool, and we still keep in touch. Congratulations to you, Mike, Eric, Kelleher, and the crew on 19 years. I've been with you for every one of them. That is, if we're going to use the phrase connective tissue, that is a prime example of connective tissue. Okay. Maggie got a rabbit. Uh, this Not Maggie. Chessie got a rabbit. Maggie was not. Maggie was a bird dog. You know, she tipped out up to reach her. That's bird dog by the Everly Brothers. We don't want to go back that far. That's 65 years ago. Um, hey, bird dog, get away from my quail. Hey, bird dog, you're on the wrong trail. Bird dog, you better find a chick who will love you long. Something like that. Anyway, um, Maggie was a bird dog, but not. she didn't care about rabbits. Chessie goes after rabbits. She stalks them. She hunts them. She kills them. Michael, you asked something today about the killing, where they learn that, and I assume it's instinctual. But it's the way you describe it, not to be too graphic, but how does she go, what's her process? She she chases them out of cover. They run across the yard and try to get through, under, or over a fence. They fail. She pounces. She naturally, with her teeth, yeah, with her teeth, she punctures the rabbit, and the rabbit dies immediately. Wound. Wound. Yeah, immediately. Kill. And then, then, of course, I have to put on rubber gloves and pick up the rabbit, which is very soft still, and put it in a garbage bag and make sure that it is away. She does not parade the rabbit around in the ways that other dogs do that. She parades it a little bit, but then she lets it go. She'd rather play with Frisbees. But she parades herself. The, the yes. quietest I've seen her in weeks, and she just... Her back was straight. She was coming up close. She had, she had, a big, had that yeah. look. She had, she, had a, she had a big day. She had a big day. So, okay. So I, I wanted to say that. And now I will get into the thing that you're waiting for me to talk about. And my friend David Crone said, I can't wait to listen because you're going to have to talk about this. Um, like I thought that Joe Biden would win. I thought Joe Biden would win. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> uh, I thought it because... I understood the appeal of Donald Trump four years ago. I mean, I think I understood it. He was roguish. He had a swagger. He was different. He was purportedly incredibly successful in business. And he was not an insider. And he ran against a quintessential insider. Hillary Clinton was not only the first lady of the United States. She was Secretary of State. She was ambassador to the UN, right? I mean, she, she did everything. All the jobs there were, she had all the big jobs. So she was a total insider. Sixth grade graduation speaker. Yes, at your school, yes. Uh, I mean, and, and were there some people who voted against her because they didn't want a woman to be president? Sure, sure. But I think that, I think by and large, there was a sense, she's such an insider, I don't know if we can trust her. There was all that stuff about white water. It's all that stuff for so many years. And a sense of like, are the Clintons going to be a dynasty? We don't want that. So some of that was there. And, and Trump was elected. Surprising to me, surprising to most people, Trump was elected. You know, um, and like a lot of people, I thought, okay, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. And for a while, you know, the, the economy seemed to do well. I don't know how much is his and how much is what comes before and what comes after. I don't know that. That's not anything I understand. Uh, he said a bunch of things that I thought were hurtful. Um, particularly I think in Charlottesville, good people on both sides. I mean, you know, like there was a war fought to beat the Nazis. We didn't think they were good people. 
We don't really think Nazis and supremacists are good people where, where they come from, wherever they come from. We're not, that's not what America's about. But I, I thought he would lose. It's, I, I want to be very clear here. It's not so much that I thought Joe Biden would win. It was that I thought Donald Trump would lose. I thought people would look at it and they would say, you know, he's been here for four years and he didn't do a great job. You know, 225,000 people are dead from a virus that he thinks is going to be over in the morning. Um, the reopening of the country reopened in a haphazard way and has led to a second surge, which will get worse after Halloween, worse after Thanksgiving, and worse after Christmas as people let their guards down because there's no coherent policy from the top. You have states making policy and counties making policy, and in some places, some guy on the corner of a village is making policy for his village. This is not like it is in other countries. It's not like it is in Canada, for example. It's not like it is in the NBA in the bubble. It is, there's a coherent policy, and we don't have that. So I thought people would look at him, and to make the sports analogy that I often make, they would look at him and they would say, you know what? We let him close a few times, and he couldn't get the outs. You know, he, he got walked off too many times, and we're going in a different direction. That's what I thought would happen. That's just me. I could be very wrong. It appears I am quite very wrong. I said that to Wilbon the other day, and Wilbon sent me a note last night saying, this is the stupidest thing you've ever said. You're so wrong about this. I thought it would be a very comfortable win for Joe Biden. Now it appears that we don't know who's the president, but the larger states, uh, certainly the largest state of those available, Pennsylvania, seems to be solidly for Trump. Georgia seems to be for Trump. I guess Florida's already called, right? Florida's already called for Trump. Are you following this, Nigel? I mean, you, you care about politics. Are you following this? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think um, Florida did call for, um, for Trump. And yeah. you and I talked about it this morning. Um, Michigan, Wisconsin. Pennsylvania's a big one. Yeah. He's, I, you know, 20. Right, but, but you're still votes. waiting. It's the mistake you made in 2016. You're still holding out depending on which side you are, you're holding out hope for these yeah. cities in the immediate suburbs to try and I don't, you know, I don't save know that, that that's when true. you're seeing. Uh, so you're going back all the way to 2016. You don't have to go that far back. You go back to the last eight weeks. Go back to the first debate where you just want a clear answer, and you look at what he says about the Proud Boys, and you look at what he says about QAnon and conspiracy theories, yeah. and that's before he tests positive for the coronavirus. And then again, you come back to timing and just wonder, he got rid of was, the virus in the was day. that enough wow. time for him to get rid of the virus? So that's not actually on people's minds as much as when you are heading to the polls. But you look at this. These are these are areas where they have been personally affected. I mean, we've been relatively protected here, and I know the numbers are surging everywhere. But you're looking for people in counties where they have seen somebody who works next to them on a line, or somebody in their family who has been who has been hospitalized or killed. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I so know. When did, you, when did you before the results started coming in? When did you first get nervous when they start showing some of the exit polls? Uh, just thoughts. The first thing was, because uh, well, I was watching Chuck Todd, um, and Chuck Todd made this great analogy about Pat Riley, and how about Pat Riley always said in the playoffs, you don't, the playoffs don't start till the road team wins, and I immediately got a text from Mike Breen saying that's gold, you know, because it is, um, <laughs> you know, to use, a, to use a sports analogy. So that, where he wasn't, where Biden was doing much worse than he needed to do in Miami-Dade County, 
Um, but that was explained by the enormous pocket of Cuban Americans there. And that seemed, but there's enormous pockets of something everywhere. I don't, I don't want to, we're going to have Saliza on. I don't want to get too deep into this because I know some people are going to say, oh, shut up. We don't want to listen to this. Well, looked at the but it's an one, election. The number one thing coming out of those exit polls was people were focusing on the economy. Yeah. And then you start to think back everything you've heard over the last couple of months, which is stock market is not necessarily economy. And then you start nope. looking at where racial injustices and where the coronavirus is on that list, and you want to go, look at, he, he stopped trying with the virus. Yeah. He admits that he stopped trying, and that's number two or three on your list? So, so it, I, my next question surprises. for you is, what were you watching? And it sounds like you started by watching Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd going through Florida is like that's Jason his, that's Lock his and going down the Orioles draft. Right, so, I mean, because he understands <laughs> that. That's where he grew up, so, you know. So he uh, starts getting to the panhandle. On commercials, I flipped over to see if I could catch John King, because John King is great on counties and states and stuff like that. And then I went back to Chuck Todd. And then you know what I did? Then I went and I went to sleep. There were no sports on. I went to sleep because I figured, okay, I'll find out in the morning. I was a little bit surprised John to find King, out in the morning that I couldn't find out in the morning. He trans- starts transposing 2020 on top of 2016. Yeah, with the grids. And you got to see who's overperforming, who's 5% ahead of where Hillary was. It's fantastic. And the control he has over the screen behind him and the control over the mannerisms with the hand. And then you start looking, what's on the left wrist? What's with the watch? Look at how he's always holding his coat, his coat closed. Yeah. I wish he had a play chart on his wrist like a quarterback. That would make me happy if he knelt down and then pulled the play chart out and looked at it exactly. or took his hat off like the outfielders do to find out yeah. how to play the next you hitter. Go to the shift. That would be yeah. That would be exciting. One of the rural countries. That would be exciting to me. And every hour he switches. You know, like the eight o'clock hour is all about food. It was all about the sports. It's oh, we're gonna see who's who's you know who's building up the score. What are they going to do in the second quarter? Then it goes into the fourth. Biden's, you know, feasting on the buffet of the big cities. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I sit here and I don't know who won. It seems to me that Trump is going to win because he's very far ahead in Pennsylvania from what I just saw. Uh, It's extraordinarily close in Wisconsin and Michigan, right? right? And you look at what percentage has already been counted for in Detroit. It's not nearly as much as you think, but regardless of what that what that actually finalizes as the count, there is clearly the path for your incumbent to try and use the courts, yeah. which I don't know, conveniently align with what he might want. I will say this um, in his behalf. It is amazing to me, his energy. Um, he's a couple of years older than I am, Trump. His energy, he feeds off people. I mean, he goes everywhere. He gets in the plane. He goes. He speaks. He seems to never get tired. Again, if indeed the, the, I, they gave him all the greatest drugs in the world on coronavirus, but he was done with it. Nigel didn't seem like he was done with it by the afternoon. It's like, done. Okay, yeah. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I'm like- getting on a plane. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, on the energy that, level, I mean, everybody says, oh, he eats badly and oh, he's overweight. His energy level is astonishing to me. It, I mean, those last you few know. days, I mean, he was making like five Everywhere. and six stops, like all over the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I, I did not see this, and I think both you and Michael watched I don't want to antagonize people with my own biases. That's what I'm right. always afraid of. So. Um, I did not see the exit polls. What Did they address the question of people's concerns over custom, bad customer service for shoe companies? <laughs> no, they, no, that was not it. Or the fact oh. that LL Bean jeans are so large, <laughs> you double I can't pants? stand them. Yeah, you wear them every day. I'm, I'm wearing them till I can put holes in them and get rid of them. I hate them. I just hate these jeans so much. No, they didn't. The exit polling 
No, it did not do that. I it blame didn't. you. You bought the wrong size and refused to admit it. I bought 3630. Okay, you've you've lost some weight. Yeah, other, but other issues on the table. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Jesse got a rabbit that I mentioned that today. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Jason Lockenfora will join us when we return. We will talk about football with Jason Lockenfora. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Amazon uh, Prime football read ad. Hey, football fans, are you an Amazon Prime member? Michael, you are, right? Yes. Amazon Prime, I'm not. As I um, stinky and dirty with it. Did you know that you can watch when Thursday night football here, live on Prime Video? That's right. It's the future of football. You can catch all the action on any device almost anywhere in the world. So that's Thursday night is tomorrow night. When it says on almost any device almost anywhere in the world, I like on a griddle in an airport. I mean, <laughs> what does that mean? You can choose your favorite <laughs> announcer, including Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Or Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah from Move the Sticks. No idea who they are. Or Chris Long and Carrie Champion from NFL Next. I assume Chris Long is one of Howie's kids. And Carrie yes. Champion, I know Carrie Champion. Get next-gen stats and watch in-game replays on demand, all within Prime Video's X-Ray. Next-gen stats are real-time stats powered by AWS. Does that stand for something that I don't know? I don't know what that means. No more waiting around. You can access the current stats anytime. Need to check how your fantasy player is doing? This is the ideal way to stay up to speed. In-game, on-demand replays are accessible on your remote on Fire TV. Again, I don't know what that is. Or by turning your mobile device sideways. This amazes me. The notion that you can just turn something sideways and statistics will pop up without even having to ask Siri or Alexa for them. Amazing to me. So if you're a streamer, I'm not. Or simply want the most custom way of watching Thursday night football, tune in live every Thursday starting October 8th. So that's a month ago. That's happened already. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Kickoff is 8.20 Eastern on Prime Video. It's also available on Fox and NFL Network. I add parenthetically for you people over 70. NFL Network simulcast subject to change. Thursday night football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. There's so much to read here and so much I don't understand that I hope I've done a good job. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Andy Clark, who writes, Enjoy listening to the podcast over these past months. Realize it's been a while since we sent in any new music. Maddie, Maddie Clark, made the best of a frightful summer, quarantined at home with her parents to work on a bunch of new material that should start surfacing soon. In the meantime, here's one from a few years back that your listeners may enjoy. Thanks for playing her songs and for continuing to showcase the music of other deserving young artists. This is called Something to Lose. This girl's great. Oh, she's great. Maddie Clark. M-A-D-D-Y. She's just great. <laughs> wow. Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports joins us now. Just as a preview uh, in the happies today, we're doing happy birthday to Des Bryant. And I quote Jason LaConfora as for something I read where you said you didn't think that Des Bryant would get in before uh, the, the Thursday night Thanksgiving game, the rematch with Pittsburgh. Are you still sticking with that just so I don't make a mistake? Uh, I mean, even his own receivers coach, uh, his personal yeah. receivers coach, who obviously has, you know, it's great for him if Des plays in as many games as he can and does as well as he can, said he thought it would take at least two to three weeks just to get, you know, the conditioning to be in a practice environment with other elite athletes uh, day after day. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, now look, they're, they're dealing with a COVID situation right now. And yep. it's on the defense, but if by tomorrow it's on the offense, then, you know, he's on the practice squad. It, 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 you know, look at the Green Bay Packers. They're going to have a couple running backs tomorrow night <laughs> out there who nobody's ever heard of before. Or they may not have any running backs, and they'll be using receivers at running back because of their situation. So barring an emergency, yeah, their, 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 thing, their, their plan was to evaluate him for two to three weeks at a minimum and then see where he could help them out. But uh, those things, especially in 2020, can change quickly. No, I know. I just wanted to give you a little run, so I stuck yeah, you in no, there. Yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the expectation. And, and look, he might never play a snap for them. I mean, that, that is, you know, yeah. that's also a possibility that you know, he practices for a few weeks. He's doing stuff on the scout team. They just don't know that, it, you know, that it, it's, it's better than what they have or different enough from what they have, and they move on from them, and they use that, that spot for a linebacker or a corner uh, or a safety, because, uh, again, that, that, that's where they're starting to get dangerously thin with the close contacts and the COVID. All right, so let's get to Baltimore. I think you had Baltimore beating Pittsburgh. You thought they would beat them. Pittsburgh won that game, I will not say decisively, uh, but that was a very good game. Pittsburgh won it, and Lamar Jackson against a very good team had another bad game. Four yeah. turnovers. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk. No, Go ahead. I had I had twenty seven twenty four Pittsburgh. Um, I, I thought that oh. the Ravens would make it a game, but that they would okay. not be able to unlock their passing game against that particular opponent because My of mistake. the type of no no all good um, because of the the intricacies of that defense and and the type of zone uh, schemes they play tend to give Lamar a lot of problems, and they did. I mean, he threw two, two interceptions to linebackers who were um, dropping back into coverage, and uh, one was a pick six. You know, one, uh, he threw a, a horrible interception to start uh, the second half. He had a pick six to start the game. He yeah, for serious. Uh, he could have easily thrown another interception and had another fumble lost. Um, he was able to fall on a ball that, he dropped with, without being touched. It was um, arguably his worst game as a starter. Uh, they dominated everything else. I mean, they ran for 265 yards on a team that came in, giving up about 65 yards a game on the ground. Uh, and defensively, they, they, were, they took Connor out of the game. They made Pittsburgh pretty much just try to beat them with short passes, and they did. You know, they were able to complete drives that way um, rather than be forced to kick field goals. I mean, they basically went hurry up, empty set, five, five wide receiver spread the entire second half, and it was three yards here, seven yards there, pass interference here, 12 yards there. Uh, they doubled Juju Smith-Schuster. They still couldn't stop him. Um, and Ben was getting rid of the ball in a couple of seconds, which is what he's done yep. this year. Uh, yep. and, and the turnovers really were the difference. Um, the one thing, though, is they, they the change to J.K. Dobbins has been in the air for a while. And when they watch the film and when they crunch the numbers, the running game was not as good as it was last year, except for in one particular area, which is running out of the spread with three to five receivers on the field with Dobbins running off tackle to the left and off tackle to the right. When they had done that this year, it was unstoppable, but they had barely done it. He'd only carried 11 times in those situations up until that game, he did it 10 times in that game. And he's 
over eight yards of carry when they run out of that scheme. And, you know, Ingram's a little frustrated right now, but I don't think Ingram's getting his job back. Uh, Dobbins, you know, had 25 carries coming into that game. Uh, Ingram and Gus Edwards had 50. That got flipped in that game, and I think that's going to continue to be flipped. Dobbins is speedier. Dobbins better in the past game. Um, you're going to see a whole lot of Dobbins in the second half of the season. I don't want to belabor the Lamar Jackson, but I do want to point this out. He's 0-2 in the playoffs, and in those two games, he has five turnovers. He's 0-2 this year against really good teams, Kansas City and Pittsburgh, and he had four turnovers just now against Pittsburgh. Well, he's, what does this say? What is there a worry about that? Because that, you can't be a champion if you don't beat the good teams. Yeah, I, I, I think if, when we go down that road, though, then I think we also have to include he played an unbeaten New England team last Sunday night, I mean, last year on a Sunday night around this time, November, whatever it was, New England was number one in defense really across the board. He pulled their pants down and spanked them. He did, that's uh, right. He beat that's the right. 49ers in a game where it was rainy and ugly, and they were going to go on to almost win the Super Bowl. He found a way to beat them. He played Seattle last year um, and out uh Russell Wilson, and, and he also came in. His first start, the team's four and five. The owner's wishy-washy about extending the, the uh, head coach. Uh, Flacco's got a hip thing. Lamar's in the hospital with an IV because he's sick. He doesn't really practice that week. He goes out and beats the Bengals and then runs the table. Those were all playoff games. I mean, they went out to the Chargers against the Chargers team that made the playoffs that year and would beat them in the playoffs a few weeks later. Lamar, Lamar won those games. He loses any of those games. They don't go to the playoffs. So I, I think when you – Look at the full gambit of okay when he's big in a bit big, when he's been in a big spot. What is he? What has he done? Um, he's come up big. I would also say that this defense does a lot of their work, pads a lot of their numbers. You know, gets a lot of attaboys against the lesser quarterbacks in the league. You know, when they go up against Mahomes, when they go up against Roethlisberger, you know, yeah, yeah, they got, they not got, as great. Uh, Russell Wilson coming this. You know, uh, they, they when they hit those kind of guys. All of a sudden, that scheme ain't so ironclad. Yeah, no, that's, all, all, that's all fair. I'll move off that. Uh, the biggest surprises last week were two one-win teams, Cincinnati and Minnesota, beat two one-loss teams, Tennessee and Green Bay. Tennessee may be reeling, or maybe they just had a letdown <coughs> after losing to Pittsburgh. What were your thoughts on those games? Yeah, I, I, I was stunned. Um, Joe Burrow, like, he didn't, he threw for 250, but it was not one of these games where they were just dropping back an empty set left and right and chucking it all over the place, and he's clinging for dear life, and they're beating the snot no. out of him, but maybe no. he makes No, he was not sacked. No. Yeah. He was hit twice. I mean, this is a guy who Baltimore hit 16 right. times, who the Eagles hit right. 18 times, and that was against the starting offensive line. They were playing three backups, so how, how good could those guys be? They couldn't beat out the dudes who were getting them killed every week. Um, the Titans' defense has no, no teeth whatsoever. I still thought because the Bengals' defense is so bad, they could win that game in a, in a, you know, in a, a 45-40. No, no, couldn't, couldn't do that either. Um, no, they've got real problems. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't know if they were on some kind of weird COVID high where it was them against the world once they finally got to play again. Mm-hmm. They were all thumping right. the chest, but they can't breathe on a quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, could they have run the ball more? Should they have run the ball more? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. But I just don't think they're a very good football team. I mean, I think they're a good football team, but I, I think they're 
sort of clumped around with the Raiders and the Browns and, and one of these teams is going to get in as a wild card, but I don't really know they're going to go anywhere. I mean, they, they're praying somebody picks up Vic Beasley's contract. Nobody is. Um, you know, Clowney, Harold Landry, they don't have anybody who can win on the edge, and that's a problem. Um, I'm sorry, Tone, what was the other game? Green Bay. Green Bay, Minnesota, sort of surprising. Well, the reason I've never been one to anoint Green Bay is they've gone on their winning streaks this year and last year is because they, don't, they, can't, they can't stop the run. Like they, right. They just can't, and they hide it a lot of weeks because they get an early turnover or Rodgers comes out like a house of fire and they're up 10 points early. If you just stick with the run game with any volume whatsoever, you're going to find a lot of joy. And, and Dalvin Cook's a special back, but that's going to be the same for some not-so-special backs as well. And, you know, everybody's talking about the trade deadline and should they get a receiver. I mean, what they were talking about in that building was, is this run defense fixable? Like, what would it take to fix it? How much of it is scheme? How much of it is we need a de- you know, we need a, probably two linebackers and a, and, and a defensive lineman? And are we going to be able to get all that? Um, and what would the cost be? And at the end of the day, everything was cost prohibitive for them. But I, Mike Patton's been there a while. They, he's been running that scheme a long time. Uh, it got destroyed when he was in Cleveland. It's getting destroyed on the ground with uh, Green Bay. And, um, you know, Preston Smith is not getting home quite as much as he did last year. Uh, and we'll see how those guys, you know, how much pass rush they get once teams really – as the weather turns, stick to the ground game. There's a recipe there to beat them, and I don't think they can change that. So I think that's baked into their cake, and I think that will certainly catch up to them again in January. Uh, You mentioned the trade deadline. No, we were prepared yesterday, you know, at PTI. If, if like, J.J. Watt got traded, if some big name, no big names happen. Mm -hmm. But, in effect, there is one big name happening at the trade deadline, and that is Antonio Brown. He's going to play. He's going to play with Tom Brady, who must be his biggest advocate, because I can't imagine anybody else being his advocate at all. What do you make now of Tampa Bay, and what do you make of them with Antonio Brown? Um, You know, his, his, his actions, the allegations against him, and even what's known publicly through his own social media um, and other documentations about his actions towards um, women in particular would be a disqualifier for a lot of organizations. And if not for Tom Brady, uh, it would have in, in, in Tampa as well. Um, you know, and I, I reported on this two weeks ago in the NFL Today and again this past Sunday. He's there because of Tom Brady. There, there, there's yeah. no equivocation about that whatsoever to the point where Brady gave his word to numerous people in that organization. He, he vouched for him and said, he's going to live Oof. in my guest house. He's going to talk to my boy Tony Robbins regularly and other sort of uh, life coaches, other sort of mental coaches. He's got a COVID test. He's going to be on time. You know why? Because either me or my driver is going to take him there. He's got a meeting that I don't have to be at at a certain time. He's going to be there. You know why? I'm going to make sure he's there. He's not going to be running around and doing stuff at night or getting into trouble or cavorting with people. He's not supposed to. You know why? Because I'm going to be right there with him. Um, literally to that length. Like, and that's how badly Brady wants to win another Super Bowl, and that's how much he thinks of this guy's ability to change football games. Um, 
can, can, will Brady be able to adequately babysit him 24-7? I, I don't know. Um, this guy has a little success. He gets back on the field. He catches a couple touchdowns. Is, is he going to be able to hold off that desire to get on social media and start lambasting everybody who could have had him or didn't have him or had him in their building one week in New England and all? Hey, you know, does he, come, does he go after Robert Kraft again? Does he go after people at the league office? I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know how anybody could say that they, they're positive, how that's going to go down. Do more allegations about him come to light? Um, who knows? But he's eligible to play football now. He's going to play football there. Tom Brady could not be any more personally invested in this outcome than he is. Uh, and I think on the field, he will be a dynamic weapon for them. Um, I don't, I don't have any question about that. He's in tremendous shape. These two threw together, you know, in the offseason. Um, Brady was pining for him to come back to New England last year and to let him back in the building. He's going to feature this guy. And they are a little banged up at receiver. Um, but that's a pretty balanced football team. And if this guy can, can manage not to be uh, a chemistry cancer, then it, it's going to help them win football games maybe, you know, Maybe into February. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you, Jason. Plug your, plug your radio show for us, please. Thanks, Tone. Um, you can hear more of me and my raspy voice from 2 to 6 weekdays yeah. on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. The, you, know, you can pick us up around, in, I don't know about Virginia, but close to D.C. and up in PA, uh, southern PA for sure. Or you could listen live anywhere on the Radio.com app. Thank you, guys. Everybody's going to be high. watching Antonio Brown. Give our best to Copper. Thank you, Jason. Always, guys. Thank Jason, you. I hope your pups are well. There you go, Copper. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> Jason Lockin for our boys and girls. He's great. He's great. Like, there's nobody better than Jason. We'll take a break. Chris Saliza will join us, and Chris will try to explain what is at the moment to me inexplicable when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad. Every 26 seconds, there's a break in in this country. But with Simply Safe Home Security, you can protect your whole home around the clock. It's serious, lasting protection. And all it takes is a simple 30 minute setup. You'll even get a free security camera when you protect your home today. More on that in a second. Simply Safe is an award winning arsenal of sensors and security cameras that blankets every inch of your home. You'll know your home and family are always safe. You set up Simply Safe yourself in a few minutes without any tools or wiring. No technician or salesperson has to step foot in your home. Michael, you have done this in what used to be our studio. Yes. Easy to do, right? Couldn't be easier. We still have that tape running. Yeah. Let's see what happens if we ever get back. Then Simply Safe will monitor your home around the clock with security professionals who are there in case of an emergency to immediately send help to your home. Plus, there's no contract, no hidden fees, no installation costs. It's why U.S. News & World Report named Simply Safe best overall home security of 2020. Uh, while walking the dog, I have seen homes that say Simply Safe. You know, um, it seems to be catching on. Right now, visit Simply Safe, S-I-M-P-L-I, simplysafe.com slash Tony and get a free security camera plus a 60-day risk-free trial with any new system order. There's nothing to lose. Go today to simplysafe.com slash Tony. Again, simplysafe.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show.
When I find the dark. This is called Thank God. This is by Thomas Craig Elliott, who writes, My good friend Jimmy is adamant that this song lifts his spirits when it needs lifting. He actually talks to me as if a great tragedy has befallen the world when he tells me how much he wishes it would become a hit song. Anyway, it's a love song, but I think it can be repurposed for some general optimism during the pandemic. It's called Thank God, and Thomas Craig Elliott says thanks as always. Beautiful. It's wonderful. Uh, you can listen to these songs by Maddie Clark and Thomas Craig Elliott. You know, at the end of the podcast, you don't have to listen to me. You can listen to the songs, and you'll learn more from them than you will from me. Michael, how do people send their music in? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. All right. Crystal Lizza joins us now, and we don't usually do this. We love Chris, and we don't usually force him to do what he does professionally, which is talk about politics. But as I said at the beginning of the show when I started almost an hour ago, I don't know when you're listening to this. It's approximately 8.25 in the morning on Wednesday morning when I'm doing this. And to my knowledge, we do not have a president called at the moment. Where are we now and what is in play, Chris? Good morning, Mr. Tony. Um, Good morning. Uh, let's see. Let, let's start from the sort of biggest uh, to the smallest. So right now, okay. as you say, 825 in the morning, Joe Biden, 224 electoral votes. I'm going by the CNN count, by the way. Joe Biden, right, 224 right. electoral votes. Donald Trump, 213 electoral votes. People who may not know, you need 270. The states that are outstanding have not been called. That uh, Maine is one of them. I assume Joe Biden will win that. Alaska is another one. I assume that uh, Donald Trump will win that. Some of the reason those haven't been called Alaska is because of the time change. Maine has a complicated ballot structure. But let's assume that those go the way we expect them to. That then leaves these states. Arizona. Joe Biden is up 130,000 votes in Arizona. There's 82% of the precincts are reporting. Wisconsin, Joe Biden's up 21,000 with 97% reporting. Georgia, Trump is ahead by 104,000, 92%. Nevada, Biden up uh, 86%. Pennsylvania, Trump is up 600,000 with 75% reporting. Michigan, Trump is up 30,000 with 86% reporting. And North Carolina, Trump is up 78,000 with 95% reporting. All of those numbers, you can ignore all of those numbers. And what I would say is you would rather still be Joe Biden currently. Really? Yes. You would rather be Joe Biden currently than Donald Trump. And I'll tell you why, Tony. Yeah. Um, so um, in Michigan, the, the thing that's really hard to convey on TV or anywhere else is people see like 86% reporting or they see red or they see blue and they just draw conclusions. The, the issue, particularly if it's close in a state, is where the votes still are coming from. And in a lot of these places, uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania in particular, the votes that are still left are from the urban centers of the states that Joe Biden is winning. So Wayne County, which includes Detroit in Michigan, there's only 64% of the vote from Wayne County. And now, as I said, Donald Trump is up by 30,000 votes in, statewide. But there's only 64% of Wayne in. We expect, and I mean, history would suggest that Donald Trump, that, excuse me, Joe Biden's going to win Wayne by a considerable margin. And that should be enough, or at least put him in play to win Michigan in Pennsylvania. Now, this is the big one. Donald Trump is ahead, as I said, by 600,000 votes. It's tremendous. Right? It's a yeah. tremendous number. But 
And, and that may be enough. I, I mean, I, I, I offer this just as a sort of devil's advocate caveat. Only right. 56% of Philadelphia city is in. There's obviously hundreds of thousands of votes uh, in Philadelphia. Now, why is that? Well, cities count slower. That's always been the case. Uh, it is especially the case uh, in this election because we have so many mail-in ballots. I remind people, 100 million uh, early votes, either in person early or uh, absentee by mail early. Um, so that's going to take a while. Uh, I think that you have to feel pretty good if you're Biden in Arizona, you are ahead um, by a significant margin, 130,000, with no obvious place left that Donald Trump's going to make up such a big margin. Um, you know, I. What we can say, Tony, is that I think is that win or lose, Donald Trump has sort of proven that he has broken politics and political analysis and political polling to 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 some decent to large extent in that most data going into this election suggested that in all the states I just listed, with the possible exception of Arizona, that uh, uh, Joe Biden was ahead comfortably. Uh, he may well win these places. Like I said, I still think you would rather be Joe Biden than Donald Trump, just looking at where the votes are left and what the count is. That said, there were many Democrats who I heard in the last, you know, 48, 72 hours crowing about how this was going to be an across-the-board crushing of Donald Trump and Trumpism. It's not. That is it's not. absolutely not the case. And, I, and I'll note this, and, and this, you know, this is nerdier but important almost every uh, political handicapping, and I'm not that, political handicapping website, people who get paid to say, we think Democrats are going to win this many right. seats and that many seats, had Democrats winning back the Senate. And I think that's, at this point, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. So even if you do have a Joe Biden presidency, and you do, and you, I think you will have continue to have a Democratic House majority. It looks like Republicans will have one of those chambers of the Senate, and that mm. means, you know, that that means that any Biden agenda is going to be uh, much harder to enact. I will say this: I said this earlier in the show at, at, at the beginning. Um, he is Donald Trump. Whatever else you think of him. He is an indefatigable campaigner. Yep. And for those people who said the Republicans should get away from him, get away from him, it's not the case because there is no, there is no blue uh, flood. It's, it's not happened, right? It's not happened. That's right. I, I mean, I, again, Donald Trump is amazing to me. He yeah. must be amazing to you too, yeah. right? He must I mean, be. I, I was thinking of this. I was, you know, I'm not a ton of sleep, and I was just driving to get coffee, and uh, I was just thinking, like, well, what? How is the best way to say it? And I really do think it is that Donald win or lose, and, and it, like I said, I do still think you are better to be Biden at this point. Wow. Thirty in the morning, you're still better to be Biden. But win or lose, two things are true. One, Donald Trump has shown that the current way in which we evaluate elections in advance of those elections is broken, at least as it relates to him. Be because even if he does lose, he's going to lose by a hell of a lot closer margin than I think many people expected. And number two, I don't know that I want to say Trumpism is forever, but this is sort of your point. Trumpism is not going away whether Donald Trump wins or loses. Because if he loses, you've already seen him say these things. They're not true, but he said it at 2.30 in the morning that, you know, yeah, they're trying fraud. to steal it from me. Again, they're not <laughs> trying to steal it. They're just, these are 
votes that need to be counted. It, it would be hugely undemocratic to say, oh, sorry, it's, it's November 4th, 12.01 a.m. Sorry, votes we didn't count, right? I mean, these votes were cast legally and should be counted. But he... Trumpism will endure, right? This was not, I think, I think many Democrats, and honestly, a decent chunk of what, what we would call sort of establishment Republicans, the Mitt Romneys of the world, uh, sort of were looking to this election to be the full-bore repudiation of Donald Trump's uh, steering of both the Republican Party and the country over the last four years. And no matter what happens, that is not what you're getting. This is not a landslide. This is not a reje- a wholesale rejection of Donald Trump and sort of the, let's call it abnormal way in which he has approached the presidency. Do you think we will have a winner by six o'clock tonight? <sighs> mm, that's a really good question. Um, no. Uh, I'm going to say because I do think uh, Trump hinted at this yesterday, but or actually it was probably today, just early, early this uh, this morning, very early this morning. Um, he hinted at the, the 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 his litigation plan in Pennsylvania and right. elsewhere, and so I think that that will delay any announcement by states, because I think they will, the Trump campaign will go in there and say, we need to stop the counting. The Biden campaign will say, well, the, of course we can't stop the counting. These are legally cast votes. And there'll be a legal fight there that I think may keep it from being called by today or even tomorrow um, at this point. Though, again, I, the, the vote counting process will continue, Tony. I just don't know how the legal piece of it Okay, well, so in 2000, Mm -hmm. with Al Gore and George W. Bush, and it came down to Florida and the famous hanging chads, if people Mm -hmm. remember that phrase, that went to court. We did not know who the president would be. That went to court where a lot of people think that James Baker was more skilled than Warren Christopher, and, and George W. Bush became the president, and Al Gore walked away from it. Al Gore is Donald Trump is not Al Gore. I mean, we're talking about different we personalities can all agree here. On that. <laughs> yeah, we're t- different personalities here. Um, and I say this because I don't know the answer. If these things go to court, do they end up in the Supreme Court? And if Donald Trump has appointed three judges to the Supreme Court and tilted it to the right towards him, if it goes to the Supreme Court, is he more likely to end up as president? Uh, that is a nightmare scenario for Democrats. Uh, that was the nightmare scenario they outlined when Amy Coney Barrett, the newest justice, was going through the confirmation process. You know, they tried to sort of mm-hmm. force her hand and say that she should recuse herself from any election-related uh, cases that would come before her, you know, after the 2020 election. Um, I think it, it would likely – some of these ballot challenges uh, will likely end up in the courts. Uh, uh, and, and will likely, therefore, be kicked up because of uh, the stakes here. I mean, we're talking about the president of the United States. Will likely be kicked right. up to the Supreme Court. I, I right. don't know what to say beyond that. Uh, I don't know if we are talking about right now. We are not in the same situation as 2000, which is 2000 was if Al Gore wins Florida, Al Gore is president. If George W. Bush wins Florida, George W. Bush is president. That's it. It's down to one state, and it will decide the presidency. We're 
not there yet. And obviously that went on for 30 days. We're not there yet. There, there are still votes being counted uh, in enough states that, that by the end of this week, even with some of these legal challenges, it's uniquely possible that we sort of have a clear winner uh, on the votes, even if, you know, the two candidates may disagree a little bit, that there are, you can say this person won this many electoral college votes, and therefore they have sort of won. Um, I don't, so I don't think we're there yet, but it is certainly possible, and that is the Democratic by far nightmare scenario. So let me let me get to this. Um, and watching yesterday and watching both uh, NBC and CNN and going back and forth, the people who were talking were commenting on the notion that the American people, by a small but significant percentage in exit polling, were saying that the virus was more important than mm-hmm. the economy. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, this will lead to Joe Biden winning, you know, because Donald Trump had abandoned the virus policy, if he had ever actually had a virus policy. If that is true, how do we explain what seems to be going on in front of our eyes? Short answer, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Good, because uh, neither mean, honestly, do I. Yeah. Uh, because because the, the, the simplest way to diagnose this election, it seemed to me, was the coronavirus continues to sicken and kill people in this country. Uh, it is getting worse by the data, not better at this point. We still do not have a vaccine. And a significant majority of people in polling, which, you know, I think is a whole other conversation, but in, in, in the, the large uh, number of public polls conducted on this, suggested that they did not approve of the way that Donald Trump had handled the virus. So you would think A plus B equals C in that regard, and that Joe Biden, no. credible alternative, no. and, and that is not the case. Why? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, again, I just keep coming, I'm not sure. I think some of it may have to do with the fact that um, the whole we can't shut up, we can't close down forever uh, message uh, work that people are very still concerned about their economic bottom line, and while they understand the medical risks and the health risks of uh, COVID, people are not in a position where they think that we should um, sort of stay inside and sort of stay away from interaction, that we just have, kind of have to at this point live with it, uh, that they voted on other things. Um, but it's odd to me because it seems as though they voted on COVID, or at least it was on their mind. I guess it's possible that many more people approved of the way that Donald Trump has handled the virus than said so in polling. Uh, I mean, at this point, anything is possible. Um, I think it is more likely that the economic end of the argument, which was Trump's argument, saying, look, yes, this is bad, but at the same time, we can't, you know, we have to uh, get out there. We have to you know, restart this economy because otherwise, you know, the, the consequences are drastic, that that argument uh, got more traction. I don't want to say one out, but got more traction than people thought it would. Sorry Thank for you, scrambling Chris. around. I just, no, it, no, no. It's just not, it's, it's, no, it's those, are, those are the questions. Yeah, those are the questions that reasonable people would have. We miss you. I'm so happy to talk you guys. to you. I love the show. I listen. I listen so all the happy. time. I provide my commentary mostly to Nigel. He just ignores me. But uh, <laughs> well, well know, let's hope we he, get back in the studio. I want. I mean, let's hope there's a vaccine and we get I back know. in the studio. I do too. Right? I, I really. Yeah. I miss you guys. Not so much Gary, but I do miss you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you, Chris. Chris Elizabeth, boys and girls.
It's lovely. Um, all right, we will uh, take a break. And when we come back, we have a song by the newly named Brandon Costello, singer-songwriter from Lexington, Kentucky. And we have the mailbag. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. It's good In this jingle This silly jingle What will you do with that wood He makes wooden bones He <laughs> Hush now Tony Don't fear now Tony Only want to see PTI now, Tony, don't fear. Now, Tony, put your ashes in this bowl when you die. <laughs> he, he makes wooden bowls. He, he, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thank you, Brandon. Nigel, do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Tony. Uh, Bethesda Bagel, we love them. You will as well. Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Uh, and I saw something on the menu today that made me smile. I think it makes everybody smile. Just the words, breakfast all day. So stop in, yeah. get something, make you feel great. Bethesda Bagels. I guess that'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, and I use these lyrics as I walk around. We were born before the wind, also younger than the sun, ere the bonnie boat was won as we sailed into the mystic. My great thanks to our fabulous guests today. Really were great. Jason Lockenfour of CBS Sports and Crystal Liz of CNN. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, Simply Safe and Thursday Night Football with Amazon Prime and Bucky Brooks, of course. And remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Corey and Emily Taylor. Hi, Mr. Tony. I live in Carmen, Manitoba, a small town southwest of Winnipeg. We have a Hallmark movie filming in our town this week. It's called Project Christmas Wish. They are using a couple of our streets with our historic library building and, of course, our town's gazebo. Make sure to check it out this Christmas season. Stay safe, stay healthy, keep up the good work. From Paul in Lindsay, Ontario. This is another Hallmark thing in Canada. I came home from work on Monday to find my wife watching the nonstop 24-hour-a-day Christmas movie marathon. Fifteen minutes into a movie, she proclaimed, this is a good one. I saw it earlier today. It's now 9 a.m. on Tuesday. It's still on. Please send help. From uh, Matt in Boston, Never Revere. Michael's throwaway mention of Hoagie Haven. Hoagie Haven? Hoagie Haven. During yesterday's show provided me an unexpected David Aldridge moment. I had to rewind a few times before I concluded that, yes, he really was referring to that Hoagie Haven on Nassau Street in Princeton, New Jersey. As someone who studied and worked in Princeton for a handful of years, I sympathize with Michael's insatiable longing for some Hoagie Haven. It really is one of the best sandwich shops in all of the Northeast. However, I must know, does Michael have a particular strong feeling on the fat lady, all things considered a fairly divisive sandwich in and around Princeton? I do not. Okay, just so you know. There's another Hoagie Haven thing from Brendan in Arlington. Myself and fellow little Ezra Fisher had our own very 
our very own David Aldrich moment when Michael mentioned Hoagie Haven as Mr. Tony was talking about Lawrence, New Jersey on Monday's show. As Princeton natives, we're constitutionally required to say that one, Hoagie Haven makes the greasiest and best hoagies in the world, and two, Lawrence is to Princeton as Stony Brook is to Binghamton. Other than hoagies, the best thing about the Haven is the long-suffering staff who can turn salt, pepper, oregano into one monosyllabic word. They look forward to serving drunk Ivy League white-collar criminals in training the way policy genius copywriters look forward to Mr. Tony reading their work. From Todd in Lufkin, Texas, in the season of making sure every voice be heard and every vote counted, I cannot overstate how much I love that Sean spoke up to defend the honor of Whoppers at the top of the show. To my knowledge, as a faithful listener, I don't recall Sean ever speaking up on his own accord before that moment. He's apparently never felt so emotionally moved to defend items of controversy like bank drive throughs pumpkin spice, Subaru vehicles, rideshare services, or Nigel's, com Nigel's competence. I'm glad to know the line in the sand for Sean is Whoppers, which for me is a bottom 10 candy. But respect should be given to Sean for having strong convictions and making his vote count. Mike from New Orleans, been listening for about a year. Haven't missed an episode since I started. Just wanted to point out that in that year I've been listening, the only time Sean has chimed in, completely unprompted, was to sing the virtue of Whoppers. Strange. Now, Sean, a real candy's a take five. Juan, Juan from Marshfield, Wisconsin. So happy to hear about your love of the best candy bar out there, the Payday. I too often carry paydays in my golf bag. It never melts. This year, I asked my girlfriend to buy different snack-sized Halloween candy bags to hand out. She reached for M&M, Snickers, and I snuck paydays on the shopping cart as the third bag. On Saturday, to her confusion, the paydays were nowhere to be found, so the on only the M&Ms and Snickers were put out. Sorry, kids, those paydays were immediately stashed inside my golf bag in preparation for next year's golf season. From Francis Doner, or Daner, Formerly Exit 14C and Exit 4, currently Atlanta. Listening to Monday's podcast and hearing that Mr. Tony once wrote a college paper on Simon and Garfunkel's America reminded me of the time while attending college in Rhode Island. I wrote a paper comparing Springsteen's glory days to Robert Frost's poem, Nothing Gold Can Stay. When it was returned to me, it was marked with an A-, and the only commentary from the professor was, the whole time I wanted to ask you, what exit? And it was 14C. From Raphael in Midland, Texas. I love sports, but I mainly listen for the laughs I'll get along the way. Speaking of laughs, can we get some Saliza? You just had them. And from Hayden Maxwell in St. Augustine, Florida. So after handing out about 100 bags of candy, wow, on Saturday, that's a lot. I decided to do some adult trick-or-treating since I have no kids and can't raid their stashes of candy. My neighborhood was slightly inebriated, so no one seemed to mind a 42-year-old woman wandering up asking for candy. The first house I stopped at, I looked in their candy bowl and exclaimed, you have paydays. The wife looked at me strangely, but the husband gave me that knowing look. I said, those are Mr. Tony's favorite, and he nodded sagely. He remarked that he has seen me walking our dog and listening to the podcast. I felt so excited to know a little just lived right across the street from me. I took the three mini paydays they offered and searched in vain for someone else offering paydays. Overall, good candy haul and no whoppers. Should I do one more? Yeah, do one sure. more. Yeah, do one more. From Phil Destito in Rome, New York, which is in upstate New York near Syracuse. I'm an eighth grade social studies teacher trying to get through virtual learning and begging to get my students back into my classroom. During a break between classes, I walked down to the teacher's room to grab a snack. I walked up to the candy machine. The pickings were slim, but there were payday bars in there. Remembering how much you talked them up, I bought one and headed back to my room. As I went to take my first bite, I was shocked by the amount of force needed to take that first piece out. Now, either you have some very strong teeth or waiting till the back nine to let it soften up is a secret. Mr. Tony, what is the secret to eating a payday bar? You, yeah, you eat very small bites. You make sure you don't 
bite through one of the peanuts. You get around a whole peanut, and it, and then yes, in the summer you let it get a little bit more malleable. I guess the word would be. Now, are you, as you using, wait for the are you back using the molars on this thing? Um, no, I'm just no. I, it it works for me. It just it works for me. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool, cool out. Cool out. <laughs> Will you cool out, cool everybody? Out. <laughs> Thank you, Michael.
When I find the dark When I find the darkness near Or if I recollect on things already come to pass And if I sink in fear When life becomes a war Such a mighty endless race when I begin to reach out for the love that's only found in your embrace You just call my name And swiftly I will come Don't you Small. 